Welcome to the Life in the Front Office podcast. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, and this is the Vinick Sport and Entertainment Management's USF Sports Biz Building the Next Gen series with Luke Mohammed, Director of Partnership Sales for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and extremely excited to kick this series off with not only the University of South Florida, but also Luke. Uh, you know, I've been told you're an amazing networker, uh, incredible building relationships. And so we'll dive into uh, a little bit of everything from a relationship perspective. So Luke, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. When you think about relationships and your career thus far, I mean, A, give us a little uh short snippet of kind of how you got to, to the Penguins and, and what you've done so far. And then, and then B kind of along the way, uh, what's been your mindset in terms of creating relationships, not only with the people that you uh, are working with, but then, you know, also outside of the industry as well. Yeah. So I got my start in sports or in the working world with the Dick's Sporting Goods Pittsburgh Marathon. Uh, it was 2009. I was an intern um, which is my, I guess, my junior at Robert Morris University. And the race had just come back after a, a six-year hiatus where there had not been an event. So it was, it was more or less a startup. Um, and so interns, in my case, were able to take on a lot of responsibility because, you know, people were just kind of running everywhere. Um, also literally running everywhere. Um, <laughs> so did that one year for an intern. Um, came back a second year. I'd offered of, hey, here's whoever's in this internship position. Here's what I would recommend doing differently. Here's what I learned. And the race director, uh, Patrice Matamoros, said, you know, I'd love for you to come back and implement this. Um, and so I did that. And then they offered me a full-time job afterwards. And so I worked there three years full-time, ultimately got to do a little bit of everything because I was, I think I was the fourth or fifth full-time person hired. And so it was, you know, here, you can do some social media, you can do some community, you can do some marketing. Um, and one of those things was partnerships. And so originally it was just servicing our clients, ultimately rolled into a sales role and realized that that was kind of, uh, that was what I liked doing. It seemed to be something I did well and wanted to make that, you know, into my career. So spent five years there total and then decided to make the jump back to school um, to move to Tampa at the, the University of South Florida Vinick Sport and Entertainment Management Program. And it was funny. It was a decision I've probably spent a year where like any person who would listen to me, I would be like, so what would you do? Would you leave your job? Would you go to school? <laughs> and, you know, I had the whole gamut of people. Some people were like, more education is the best thing you can do. Like always learn more. And I had some people who were like, why would you quit a job to go back to school? And I was like, well, I don't know. It seemed like a good idea. Um, so, you know, ultimately ended up doing it. It was probably a weekend of the program. And I was like, damn, you know, best decision of my life. Um, so I was in, down there for two years, um, and one of the great parts of the program is you get to work while you're in school, so you're still accruing um, your experience. So my first year, I worked with Ironman Triathlon, and my second year, I was with the Tampa Bay Sports Commission, and so then I was coming up on graduation, and you know, you've got that looming deadline, and every, you know, everyone you know in your life is like, so you have a job when you graduate? Like, what are you going to do? What's your plan? And which is, which is stressing, right? Um, or stressful. So what I did, and I guess this is to the, the point of the podcast to talk about networking. Um, so I used my network over my Christmas break going into my last semester. And any city I was in, I would set up informational interviews. So for example, 
I was in Tampa, but I was going back to Pittsburgh over that break. And so I used someone who I knew from the marathon to help me get a meeting with the Penguins. Um, actually with a guy who I work with now. Um, he didn't remember the meeting. I remember the meeting, but. Um, <laughs> That's how it always you, works. Right. Um, used Dr. Sutton to get me a meeting with the Pirates. Um, I was in Miami, so I used someone to help me get a meeting with the Dolphins. And so in the span of a month, I did about 12 of these between Tampa, Miami, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, DC. Um, and one of those was with DC United. And um, I was visiting my sister because she lived in the area at the time. And so I actually, this was one where I didn't have a network. I didn't know anyone there. And so I reached out to someone cold at DC United and just said, hey, I'm going to be in town for a week. I'd love to, to meet and learn about what you've done. And they said, sure. So I went in and met and, you know, it was just positioned as an information interview, like, you know, kind of shooting the shit. What do you do? Here's what I've done. And it quickly turned into, you know, they had some challenges um, or everyone has challenges, but theirs were, hey, we, you know, we don't really have anyone who is analytically driven and in sales. And I was like, well, that's funny. I've got this portfolio with me that talks about how I've used data to help organizations make more money, right? Kind of um, yeah. perfect match there. And so this, you know, I left there of like, that was pretty good, right? There could be something there. And that was a, that was a Thursday. So the next day, Friday, I got an email from a guy who was the chief revenue officer saying, hey, I understand you met with someone on our team yesterday. We have an immediate opening in sales. Let me know if you're interested. Um, so I called him, we talked. Um, I went back Monday for a formal interview. We talked Tuesday and I had a job offer Wednesday. So I went from having like quite literally never thinking about DCing in my life to being employed by them in less than a week. And that was all, um, you know, via networking, right? I reached out to someone cold. Hey, I'm in town. I'm a student. Would love to learn about what you do. Right. That's a pretty good like proposition. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Like when someone, I'm like, sure, I'll talk about myself for 20 minutes. Like why not? <laughs> um, and you're, and you're, you know. and you're, and you're, and you're probably going to get like a free coffee or a free sandwich or something. Right. Yeah, Sometimes. exactly. And you know, all, particularly when it's a student, when someone's like, I mean, seriously, like someone says, I'm a student, I want to learn. Like, you got to be kind of like a Scrooge to say no to that. Um, now, like, like respect, there are some times where I'm like, hey, this is a bad time. Can we maybe try next month? Um, but in general, right, most of the people who are in the sports industry, they got there because um, someone or several someones took the time to help them and, um, you know, allow them to learn. So, so I was fortunate that several people have given me that opportunity. Um, so the DC United one ended up getting the job there, was there for five years. You know, we opened up a new stadium, Audi Field. We went from uh, pretty much dead last in any way you would measure partnerships to a top five club. Um, it, it was a lot of fun, you know, and I went down there having not really been a soccer fan. You know, I, I wasn't a soccer hater by any means, but, you know, my tie to the sport was I played when I was a kid. I would watch the World Cup. You know, I thought it was kind of boring and I knew who David Beckham was. Um, and that actually helped because most, you know, I would talk to a chief marketing officer and, and he or she would, would probably say something similar. Um, and I'd be like, cool, you know, I grew up a hockey guy. Um, here, here's how soccer is similar and here's why it's relevant to your brand. And I think it helped me connect with them a little better. Um, and then the way I ended up here in Pittsburgh, um, again, networking. Um, so Jack Tipton, who is, is my boss at the Penguins, he and I had become, I think we we're probably LinkedIn friends maybe two years ago. Um, and had talked on the phone a few times of just like, hey, I saw you did this partnership. What can you tell me about it? 
um, you know, just kind of kind of trading secrets there. Um, you know, and LinkedIn makes it easy to kind of keep a keep a pulse on how things are happening. And so he had reached out to me. Um, I guess it was probably October um, before before I'd even left East United. Just said, "Hey, we might have an opening." Um, so it was okay. So you know, we kind of kept in touch, and it wasn't until January they said, "Hey, we, we definitely have something." You know, I think you might be the guy. I would love you to come up and talk. Um, and so ended up going up. This was probably mid to late January. You know, things take time. Um, finally got things figured out by mid-February. Um, and here I am now. And so, you know, I think of the jobs I've had. You know, I applied for my internship at the Pittsburgh Marathon. Um, I didn't apply for the full-time job, right? I, I was there. I used my network to get it. Um, when I went to grad school, I guess I applied for grad school. Um, but ultimately, it was a lot of networking of determining where my fit would be um, while I was at the program. I didn't apply for the decent job networking. Um, I didn't apply for the penguins job. So, you know, when I think of like job openings, it's often like you find them via networking, not necessarily via job sites. Yeah, no, I mean, you make a great point and it's, and you never know when those things are going to pop up, right? It's not to say that, you know, you were looking to leave DC United per se, or ever, you know, looking to leave this place or go somewhere else. It just, um, everything is based on timing and, and to your point, relationships and, and ultimately staying on someone's radar. It's not always necessarily about who you know or what you know. It's about sometimes who knows you. Um, and, you know, as you've built a bunch of different relationships across, you know, a variety of these experiences, how do you stay in touch with them? you know, to the extent that you want to look it, it, everyone, you know, you, you probably named off four five, six different experiences you've had. It's a lot of people to keep a tab on, you know, yeah. not only them, but your family, your friends, the people you're working with now. I mean, it's at some point it gets overwhelming, right? So how do you kind of pick and choose? And um, there's some that you need to just kind of maintain where maybe you have a call every six months and some that you still need to continue to build. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I think let's, so social media makes a lot of this much easier. Um, so I'll use LinkedIn as an example. Jack and I, after being LinkedIn friends for two years, probably felt like we knew each other, right? Because we would see each other's posts, you interact with each other. When in reality, we'd only talk to the phone maybe for 30 minutes. But when I went up for my interview, it was almost like we were old friends, right? We had built this familiarity. Um, now, obviously, like you use different social media profiles differently, right? The people I'm friends with on Instagram are probably different than LinkedIn and the content will be a little different. Um, but I think that's one way that's a low hanging fruit. And, you know, you can like there's a big difference between like kind of a passive, like liking someone's content and then maybe send them a message of like, hey, dude, lo like love to do partnership. Hope you're doing well um, like that. That is a that is a big difference. Right. Um, of taking. Mm -hmm what ultimately is what 20 seconds instead of five seconds, like really not that much difference right. in time. Um, so I think that's one thing. Um, you know, I'm probably, I'm not good at responding to things in a like really timely manner. So like, I probably have a series of texts right now from like my mom from two days ago that I I've looked at and haven't responded to. Um, what I am really good at, I think is kind of the, the message is out of the blue where you might not have talked to me in six months. And um, maybe, maybe you and I talked about AirPods before we, 
um, before we launch this call. And maybe the new AirPods Pro Plus 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 comes out in a year. Um, that's probably something I would text you and be like, hey, check these out. Like, do you think they're worth the $500 or whatever they are? Um, right. And it right. shows I remembered a part of our conversation. We have that bond, if you want to call that, over AirPods. Um, and, you know, this doesn't necessarily mean we're best friends and we're going to go to each other's weddings. But it would probably mean that <laughs> if I said, hey, like, I'm having trouble with a partner and they're looking into podcasts. Can you give me like 15 minutes of advice? Right. You'd probably pick up the phone and do that. And, and conversely, I would return a similar favor. Um, so I think, you know, maybe people... Uh, when they think of staying in touch, they, they seem as like overbearing to me. You know, maybe some of it just comes a little natural. Um, one other thing I do that's, that's unique, um, and it's kind of become like my unintentional calling card, is um, I send out uh, President's Day cards every year. And the original, the origin was I was going to send Christmas cards. And I like Christmas came and went and I was like, damn it, I took the time to get, get the addresses of all my friends. And I just like wasted this effort. So I was like, you know what? I'm a history nerd. I'm going to send President's Day cards because it was like one of the next holidays. It was kind of funny. It was like, it, you know, people were like, this is funny, right? And so I sent them and people loved them because what other piece of mail are you getting at that time, right? I had more or less exclusivity on this time period. And so, you know, let's say you get 50 Christmas cards. A lot of them are just, you know, maybe you don't even respond to the person or, you know, it's just kind of in that crush of holiday time. Me, I, like almost every card I get, someone is texting me like, we got the card this year. We love it. Thank you so much. And you're like reengaging these conversations. You know, I'll talk to someone in November and they'll be like, oh, we're, we're looking forward to this year's card. Um, so I, I send that out now yeah. to probably, I think I'm at about 300 people. Um, and a lot of those are people who maybe I worked with them five years ago and our primary form of connection, if I look back, is probably maybe I send them this card. Maybe they talk to me six months later. Um, and so, again, like maybe not someone who we're inviting each other to the weddings or like, you know, serving as godparents to each other's children, but definitely someone where, hey, could you help me out with this project or I need a favor or, you know, one of our old interns really wants to get into this industry. Could you talk to him? Right. Those people he or she will almost always, you know, pick up the phone and offer to help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's such an interesting, uh, it, I love the President's Day card example, because I know that the, the only thing you probably get in the mail on President's Day is like one of those uh, car sales, you know, ads, yeah. because they've got a special going yes. on, right? And so, uh, you know, A, you're probably not looking, looking at that. And then B, it's that element of surprise that you're talking about, as opposed to someone you know always wishing you a happy birthday right not that that's a bad thing yeah because you certainly can make that you know one of your things as well um you know i out of grad school and and as i can kind of have gone on my journey thus far i've I've always sent out these updating update emails so you know in big capital letters it would say update dash my name and then you know something something else and within that email to each person I'd say, and I would personalize each, each and every one of them. And at some point it gets to, you know, 200 plus of yeah. them. And, you know, you kind of have to keep your own spreadsheet and figure out who, who stays on the list and who leaves. Yeah. Right. And, and who you're adding to the list. And, and that's, look, it takes a lot of time. So as you've, you know, you've got 300 letters you're sending out. 
I'm sure there's some that you send some years, but then maybe two years later, they're off your list and you've added someone else. How, how do you go about that process? I mean, obviously it's kind of the nature of life too, right? But, but there is, um, you never know who can help you at any point in time during your life, whether it's 10 or 20 years from now and vice versa. You never know who you can help. Right. Yeah. Uh, come that come that random time as well. Yeah, I would say, you know, I it's you kind of have to work to get off the list. Um, but usually if it's someone where I'm, <laughs> you know, maybe I send you a card and then you and I haven't talked in three years. And I'm like, OK, I'm not this guy's not going to get a, this. Someone else will get this card instead. Um, you know, so if people aren't like I'm not sending the cards out for any sort of response. But if I'm like, gee, I haven't even heard from this person. Um, or maybe we weren't that close in the first place, you know, maybe they, they come off the list and I'll dedicate that time to someone who will appreciate it more. Um, cause your point, it does take time, right? I, there's a reason I don't send out 5,000 cards and there's a reason I'm like, like bemoaning or laboring over sending 300 cards. Um, and I'm right. like, damn, maybe I would, I wish I didn't have this many people I wanted to stay in touch with. Um, <laughs> you know, so I think in those cases, it doesn't have to be an active where you're like, you know breaking up or like removing this person from your life. Um, but there might be people where you're like, you know, maybe, maybe their function in your life um, for each other was just like at a period of time. Um, and then you kind of like, just go on from there. And that's not to say you can't reconnect with that person. Like I've definitely have had um, like for my marathon days, I had a couple of coworkers where after I left, we just like, didn't stay in touch. Right. It wasn't a, like animosity thing. Um, it was just, you know, you didn't talk that often. And then when I moved back, like I ran into one of them and it was like old times, right? You're like, oh, it's so good to see you. It's good to be Absolutely. back. Um, and, you know, again, that would be someone who probably back to, hey, I, I need help or, um, you know, would love to like talk you about some ideas. Those, those, that's probably a person who would, um, you know, help with that offer. Um, I think in general, people, right, people want to help others. Um, mm -hmm. And so, again, it's, you know, kind of more people in your stable. Uh, but I think the, the important part of all of this, as I'm like talking about where I have the ability to maybe call someone and ask for help or support is you've got to be putting that stuff out into the universe, right? If you're just, if you're just siphoning help and support from others, um, people pick up on that pretty quickly. Um, so I am like... When someone comes to me and is like, hey, Ruth, I saw you launch this partnership um, in DC United. Could you talk to me about it? I'm like, hell yeah, I'm all about that because it's probably going to benefit, you know, long term me more than that person because I'm like, sweet, I've got like a favor that, you know, I can go back to this person and ask them something or get information from them that'll help me. Um, you know, and not everyone's like that. You know, some people are very, maybe a little more protective or reserved. Um, and that's not like, you know, certainly there's some things that are proprietary or, you know, maybe like trade secrets. Um, but in general, I found like, sure, like I'll help you out. Like this is going to be, you know, ultimately we'll all benefit more from this versus, you know, not helping someone. It's like, um, you know, cause there have been people where they're, you know, not as warm with their help and support. And I'm like, okay, you know, not, not someone I would probably go to and next time I need help. And, you know, if they need help from me, I'll, you know, I'll probably try to maybe forget the past and pay the favor, but, um, you know, might dedicate that time towards someone else instead. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great point. And as you think about, um, 
you know, LinkedIn, you mentioned earlier at the episode of, of kind of keeping tabs on people, right. Or, or kind of having an eye on what they're doing or if they switch anywhere, you know, from a job perspective or, you know, like you said, partnerships, what they're, what they're doing next. Um, as you think about LinkedIn and how it's grown though, it, it can certainly become overwhelming, right? There's a lot of posts. There's a lot of people who just randomly connect with you because you have X title, um, you know, or X logo, right? You work for whatever team, lead, yeah. this, that. And, you know, as you think about how you really try and utilize LinkedIn uh, as a function of relationship building uh, or, Potentially, you know, for you in sponsorship sales, right? It's certainly a potential prospecting tool, right? Yeah. And and there's just a lot of different ways you can utilize it. But what are like the one or two most effective ways that you see it being utilized for for people uh, in the industry? Yeah, I think uh, I'll talk about an ineffective way first. Is yes. I think a lot of people view it as like you're just going to hit a home run right away. Um, you know, like they're on there and they're just posting something. It is just like a straight sales pitch or, um, you know, is it really informative or providing value to someone else? And, you know, ultimately if I'm posting, um, here's how the penguins, you know, facilitate a community program with a partner and people are like, wow, that's great. You know, in, in a way you're kind of planting the seed of how you could do that with another company, right? You're demonstrating your success um, without, but you can do it without saying like, look at us, look how great we are. Um, so I think some people, you know, I always use dating analogies and some people like, love it. Yeah. Like you probably don't ask someone to marry you on your first date. You might, like <laughs> you, you might, but like in general, it's probably weird. Um, but like the goal for the first date is like, Hey, let's just like see if we're into each other and then plan a second date. Um, you know, so your LinkedIn content doesn't have to be, you know, asking someone to marry you and being like so forthcoming about, what your your brand is good at or what you think you're good at. Um, you can just kind of facilitate interest of like, oh, this person seems seems intelligent. This person seems like they're doing good stuff. Um, and ultimately kind of building your credibility um, with your network. Um, you know, I think just like humanize yourself. You know, I think when, when LinkedIn started, they had, you would send a request and there was a generic message that came with it. And the generic message was mm -hmm. something like, um, hi, like, I'd like to add you to my professional network. And yeah. like, like, who has ever said that to anyone in real life? <laughs> like, if someone, right. if I was walking down the street and someone was like, I'd like to add you to my network, I'd be like, please, I'd hope my dog would bark at him or something, like, get away from me. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, and some of that is a lot of times if it's a younger student, right, they maybe just don't know, or maybe they're a little more concerned um, of like how, how to approach it. So in some sense, I get it. But, you know, I'm much more into when someone sends me a request and just like, hey, saw this thing you did with the penguins, like, great stuff, would love to connect. Like, I'm into that. But when someone is, hey, Luke, uh, I'd you know, like, you know, the sales pitches. Hold on, I probably yeah. got some in here. Click on my messages. Um, <laughs> live, live LinkedIn messages. Love it. This is, this is fantastic. Um, if it's a, and I generally respond to all of them, even if it's a really bad sales one, I might be like, hey, not interested. But you, like, you can tell uh, when someone is mass producing a message. Uh, right. And so it's like, as a recipient, everyone gets that. But then as a sender, people are like, oh, they won't notice if I just like change someone's name out. 
Um, and that's, that's not to say that if, when I'm sending emails and messages, there's not things I'm replicating from one to another. Um, but people can actually tell if you're genuine or not. So I think, you know, sometimes LinkedIn more than other platforms think lacks personality. Um, like just cause it's business doesn't mean it has to be boring. Um, you know, like think of what people like and interact with on other social platforms, right? Like post a photo of your dog on Instagram and people are like way more into it than something else. Um, right. Because, you know, it's, so how do you, what is the dog version of something on LinkedIn, right? How do you have content that is relevant and like makes business sense, um, but at the same time is engaging and fun. Um, so don't just tell me like, you're thrilled to announce XYZ partner, right? Insert some humor, insert some insight, like personalize it a little bit. Talk about it. Talk about it the way you would speak of it at, at your Thanksgiving dinner with your family um, versus like how you would type it up as a boilerplate message. And I think you'll get, people will get more engagement from that um, because they're like, oh, this person, right? They seem genuine. They, like they're, they're providing some insight. It's not some massive block of text. Um, so I think just, you know, try to humanize yourself. Um, you know, everyone's got a personality and, you know, how do you, how do you allow that to show through a little bit? Yeah, I think you made a, you made a great point uh, earlier at some point in the episode where you said natural, right? Like it's just gotta be natural. And I know that's, that's like saying, you know, if LeBron James is going to go, you know, coach a basketball team, just shoot it. Right. Um, it's sometimes it's a hard, yeah. uh, you know, analogy to receive on the other end, if you don't know what natural means, but if you try too hard and you try to not be yourself, then that's also not going to work either. Um, and so as you try and develop relationships, you figure out, you know, what's, uh, what's personable, right. What's not. And, and what types of people you get along with the best. Um, so that leads me to my, to my next question. And as you've developed relationships and worked with a bunch of different people, who are the types of people that you um, not only build the best relationships with, but then as you look to others, you know, as you're constantly building your network outside of wherever you work and, and other you know, teams and leagues and so on, who are those people from a quality perspective uh, of what maybe they've done or, or how they go about things that you strive to connect with so that you can then learn from them uh, and, and ultimately build a relationship with them? Yeah, good question. Um, I think someone that I found I feed well off of is someone who's kind of a, a challenger, right? They're not afraid to, to rattle the cage. They're not afraid to ask questions. Um, they're not afraid to kind of poke the bear. And I, and I don't mean in just like a, a be a nuisance type poke the bear, um, but who's not afraid to ask like, well, wh why are we doing it this way? Um, you know, like, and, you know, often the answer is like, well, we've always done it this way. And like, okay, it doesn't mean it can't be different. I mean, this pandemic is a perfect example, you know, where I'm sure most teams are having meetings of like, gee, what do we, what do we do if we, you know, if, if we go another year without sports or we play sports without fans or like, you know, all the variety of scenarios of like, you're going to have to think about it differently because if someone says, well, we've never done that, you know, I might say, well, we've never had the entire world pause live sporting events for two months. <laughs> right. um, so like, okay, like things, things might have to change. Um, and, you know, and not to take things personally, like, I love when someone is like, dude, that idea is terrible. Um, right. I like, I probably volume wise throw out more ideas than most people. 
and a lot of them are bad. Like they don't see the light of day and someone would be like, that's dumb. Right. Or it's not funny. Um, were you, were you always the one in class that raised your hand? Yeah, for sure. I'm like, that. that's how I was. Yeah. Like, you're, I was. like I'll try this out. Um, but you know what, for, let's say I think of 25 ideas and 20 of them are awful four are decent and one is really good, guess what? One really good idea could be a massive partnership that makes headlines that changes your business. Um, so the other, the other ones don't even matter. It's that one really good idea. And sometimes I think people are afraid of that because for that one really good idea, there might be 20 people saying like, dude, your other ideas are terrible. Like this is dumb, we can't do this. Um, and so I think the people who are willing to offer those things up and say like, let's think about this differently and, you know, don't, don't take it personally. Cause if you might say, like, let's say you build a program at the place you work and it's been, it's been in function in play for 10 years. And then I come in and I'm like, Hey, have we thought about changing this? Right. You might take that personally because it's, it's like your baby, right? You built this from the mm-hmm. ground up and you're like, who's this new guy who's coming in and doesn't like the stuff I do. Um, you know, because it, in some sense it might seem like a, a personal attack on you and what you've done. Um, which is, which is not the intention. So, you know, people who are willing to, um, to kind of always think and evolve. I mean, I'm a big believer of like evolve or die, right? If you're, if you're not improving, um, your competition is, um, and your, your competition might be other sports teams. It might be, it could be anything. Um, and so you have to constantly be improving and, you know, the Pittsburgh Penguins are in a fortunate position of, um, you know, we've got a sellout streak that extends over a decade. Um, we've got really good players on our team. Um, like we've got a lot of good things going for us. Uh, the law of averages say that at some point those things will run up, right? And we will be in a different scenario. And so we, you know, if we don't think about evolving now, it might be too late. Um, you know, there's all these business examples of like Blockbuster is one I always think of where, um, you know, we, we know the fate of Blockbuster. They did not evolve. And so how do you avoid that, right? You've got to evolve. You have to be thinking, well, and it's the same thing with your career, right? You've got to evolve within your career and, and not, uh, you know, ultimately be the one that won't change uh, for then someone else to come in and, and do it, do it a little bit differently for you. Right. Yeah. So um, as we wrap up the episode and, and you think about, you know, not only the relationships you've built in the past, not only the ones you have in the, in the present, but then the ones that you don't have in the future, um, you know, I, I find this an interesting concept in like, you know, who is, uh, who are the types of people that you're going to continue to maintain, stay in touch with, right? Build relationships with as not only people change, but then you change yourself, right? And the types of people, whether you have a family, I mean, all the different types of things and factors that go into how much time you have in a day, in a week, in a month to connect with people and continue those relationships how do you how do you take all of that because it's you probably just heard me say that and you're like well that's a lot of stuff uh, <laughs> and it's overloaded right yeah and then how do you take that and create it to be just a simple perspective um i think like take it day by day so I, i'll use so i moved back to pittsburgh and so i have some sort of existing network a lot of things have changed in seven years um and there's key people at businesses in the city who I should be, you know, I'd like to be close with and be connected with. That doesn't just happen overnight. Um, you know, back to you don't ask someone to marry them on your first date. 
Um, if someone is whatever, chief marketing officer of giant Pittsburgh company, um, the idea that he or she is going to look at me as like this brilliant leader in Pittsburgh and someone they want to work with overnight is unlikely, right? Now, what I can do is, you know, get to know them a little better, right? Hey, um, would love to understand how you're navigating through COVID-19. And they might say, hey, like, shit's wild. Um, let's talk in a couple months. Cool, right? I'll, I'll come back in a couple months, right? Again, we're not, I'm not making that marriage ask um, because that's not, that's not the play. A um, couple months later, connect with them. And, and over time, you build that relationship. And then when you, let's say, 24 months go by, you look back and you're like, oh, wow, I've, I've built this nice, robust network. Um, I've learned. I've grown a lot. Um, but you maybe didn't realize it was happening at that time because it's those, it's those slow processes, right? It's like going from date one to you know, two years together and you're like, wow, we're in love and we should get married, right? It didn't just happen overnight. Um, so I think... To, maybe that indirectly answers your question of, I, I think if you, you know, I'm all about goal setting, but if I set the goal of like connecting with all these people and networking, it might become overbearing because there's a lot of steps and um, a lot of vagueness, right? You want to, like, oh, I want to network and be close to people. Like, well, what the hell does that mean? Um, like, right. your link, like your LinkedIn friends or like, or you're on a texting basis, uh, Right. So I think if you're if you're just trying to accomplish the objectives, like sure you could probably be LinkedIn friends to all them, um, you know. But if you think about like what it, a genuine relationship takes, um, like there's a lot more involved in that. So um, I don't know. I just fo focus day on day. Being, focus on being yourself. Focus on the day. Um, you know, I, I to go back to the President's Day card things. Like some people definitely. There's probably some people who are like, this is weird. But in general, most people are like, they're like, this is, this is unique. This is interesting. And they're like, this is Luke, right? This is, this is just his personality, right? It, it integrates some sort of historical perspective and blends it with Robert Morris and then some sense of humor and then like a, a positive message. Like, that's me. And so I'm like, find whatever your card is. And, you know, when it comes to the card, like there's some people who maybe I don't know well enough to send it to them because I'm like, okay, they might just think this shit's weird. Um, but once I get to know them and they're like, oh, like, that's just who he is, right? And this is his way of connecting with me. So, you know, think about what your president's card may be, right? Maybe you're passionate about dogs as my dog walks in the room and sits in front of me and you send out whatever, a dog photo to everyone every other month. You know, you're, you're keeping in touch email newsletter is a great idea, right? That, that, that can be your thing. So, mm -hmm. you know, think about what is your thing and that's a hard thing to like, just figure out, you know, I didn't wake up one yeah. day and it was like president's day card. This is the thing. Um, right. Just as you probably weren't like, you know, as a 12 year old, you're like, I'm going to send an email out to keep people in touch with my life. Um, but right. here you are now where it's a thing you do and it's a thing people probably recognize you for. And it's a thing that makes you better. Yeah. And they may not respond. There's, there's a lot of people who will just respond right away and say, great, thanks. Hope you're well, or whatever the case might be. Some don't, but you'd actually be surprised even if you don't get a response. Yeah. The person likely still read it and they know. And then maybe a year later you have a conversation and they're, and they're all caught up. They know. Yeah. Um, and so it, it kind of bridges that gap for you. Luke, I, I really appreciate the insights and advice. It certainly, um, certainly sheds light on, on, Look, just being natural, genuine, 
um, and, and ultimately taking it day by day. And, and so hopefully uh, this can help some people find their card. Uh, but I appreciate you uh, taking the time to be on on this podcast series with uh, University of Sport of South Florida Sports Biz, uh, building the next gen, and with the Vinick Sport and Entertainment Management uh, Program. Yeah, for sure, man. Thanks for having me.